Christmas, and I don't know uh, how you guys are at getting ready for Christmas and, and uh, shopping, getting things ready for your uh, your kids and your spouses and all that stuff. I, I don't know how many of you are good at Christmas gifts. Um, I, one of my one of my gifts is not being good at getting Christmas gifts. And uh, my daughter, she always uh, she loves it whenever it comes around for Christmas because. When I try to buy something for my wife, I tend to miserably fail. And a couple of years ago, I bought what I thought was an incredible gift for her. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever seen. I, I like. I, I do not like to go to stores and shop, y'all. This has, and I say this often. This really has nothing to do with anything. But I just thought of this because my daughter's here today. Uh, I bought a thing on Amazon called the Music Beanie. Have y'all ever heard of that? Uh, now, obviously, because y'all are not uh, in tune with tech stuff like I am. And so I saw that music beanie, and so my wife, she runs and all that stuff. So you put a beanie on, and it's got like a Bluetooth in there, and you can listen to music as you run. I personally thought, what an incredible gift from a husband. I gave it to her, and uh, she never wears it, and it just it ticks me off. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not bitter about it, but uh, just not very good at getting gifts. So I gave her the gift, and when I saw her reaction, you know, I thought, yeah, I should have I got something else. I should have actually talked to Janie and got her to help me out. But there's a lot of times whenever... Uh, whenever you come into this season, you kind of look back and thought, think, I, I, sh- I probably should have done something a little bit different. Well, I think whenever we are in Advent season and we're celebrating Christmas, and you know, it's, it's easy to go through the season, and, and then whenever you kind of move through it, it's, it's easy to get through it and go, ah, you know what, I probably should have paid a little bit more attention to the fact that this season, it, it's about Jesus, you know, and, it, and it's very easy to get sidetracked and to pay attention to a whole lot of other stuff and then get through the season and really sort of forget or miss out on the fact that it is about the birth of Christ. And so we are in our Advent series, and I, I shared with you all before, if you didn't grow up with Advent, uh, Advent very simply means it means the coming or the arrival. And so people were looking forward to the birth of Jesus. That's what, what Christians have done uh, throughout, throughout history is we have anticipated the birth of the Savior. And, and really when you think about it, Christmas is something that ought to produce joy in our lives. And it ought to produce joy in our lives because when you really think about it, I mean, who, who is Jesus? Well, according to Scripture in John 1.14, it is Jesus is God coming into our world in the flesh. I mean, Jesus ought to bring joy into our lives whenever we think about Christmas because it is, it is a promise from God that he remembers us. Christmas ought to bring joy into our lives because it is a reminder to us that God entered into our world in order to bring reconciliation between God and man. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to look in Matthew chapter 2 And we're going to start out in verse number one. Now, I'm going to ask y'all just a basic, a real basic question. Whenever you kind of go through the Christmas season, uh, the Christmas messages, what are some of the typical characters uh, that you think of, or the typical subjects that you think of whenever you go through Christmas? Who are some of the main players in the Christmas story? 
So this is where y'all get to participate a little. We don't do this with second service because you guys are smart. So what's the, uh, I'm not saying they're dumb, I'm just saying y'all, you guys know what's going on. So, so who are some of the main characters? All right, the wise men, you're on top of it today because that's who we're talking about today. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, yeah, that's right, the angels. So that those, are the, those are the typical things. And so as we go through Advent season, the, these are the, the people that we generally talk about. And so today we are talking about the wise men. Now, the Roman emperor at this time, because remember, Israel was under Roman rule. The Roman emperor at this time was a man named Augustus. And Augustus called for the territories of Israel to have their people return back to their their home or their sort of their ancestral hometown in order to be counted in a census. Now this sound familiar to y'all? Now you might remember. So Joseph and Mary, and Mary at this time was with child, and so they traveled from Nazareth and they went to the little town of Bethlehem. And they went there in order to be counted in the census. But while they were there, something that transformed the history of the world happened. You know what happened? Jesus was born. And Jesus transformed everything that this world has ever known. And so in Matthew chapter 2, we are picking up in the story whenever Jesus is about, a lot of scholars believe at this time, that he was around two years old whenever the wise men came to visit. And so my question for us today to be thinking about as we talk about the wise men as they came to see Jesus We need to ask ourselves the question, would we be considered wise in the way that we deal with Jesus, in the way that we deal with the season? Because what we're going to see is that the wise men, as they sought out Jesus, they discovered joy, and it changed them forever, just like it can change us forever today. And so let's just look at a few steps we can take in order to have joy in our walk with Christ as we are in this Christmas season. And we're going to learn a few lessons, really, from the wise men in our text. And so if we're going to have joy, the first step we are called to take, or that we see that we can take, is this. We are to seek Jesus. If you desire to have joy in your life, it begins with this, seeking Jesus. Now, look with me in verse number 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, they they weren't even from Israel, but they had an expectation that there was going to be somebody important born in Judea, which is Israel. Uh, There was actually a worldwide expectation that a Savior was going to come. And one of the reasons why is because some of the people would have been familiar with Old Testament prophecies that talked about the coming of a Savior. Did you know that that is what the Old Testament really is about? The Old Testament, the the whole section of it, of that part of your Bible, is about the coming of one who will change the world. And that is Jesus. Now they knew about it, and they really thought that this was about the time when a Savior would be born because of the prophecy in Daniel, the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 9, uh, verses, I believe it's 25 through 27. And what, what scholars had done during this day is they'd taken those verses, and when they added up those days from that time period 
they figured out that it was around this time when a Messiah was going to be born. So it's kind of interesting. And so they were, they were sort of looking forward to it, like, hey, we really think that something special is going to happen around this time that's going to change our world. Now, there were even people who were not followers of God who had an expectation that a Messiah was going to come onto the scene. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, because of some ancient writings. There's a famous Roman historian named Suetonius. Uh, he wrote this. He said, an ancient and settled persuasion prevailed throughout the East that the fates had decreed someone to proceed from Judea who should attain universal empire. That's, that's kind of interesting. So there's this like worldwide expectation, something, something interesting is getting ready to happen. But then the, sort of, the icing on the cake is in our text today. And it says, and a star appeared in the sky. Now, now what's the importance about this star? Well, the wise men paid attention to the skies. Now, the wise men were not real sure where they were from. There's a lot of conjecture that they might have been from Persia. But the wise men, we know that they were men who were, who were well-educated in medicine, in astrology, and in religion. And so because of astrology, whenever they looked into the sky, they saw this star that was unusual. It was different. Uh, very well could have been that they, they knew about the prophecy that is mentioned in Numbers twenty four seventeen, And it says this. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. And it says, and a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will arise out of Israel. So whenever they saw the star, the wise men had a belief that a Messiah was being born. A Savior had come. Now they had that information, so what did they do with the information? Well, what we see in our scripture is they acted on it. They took the information in and they said, we're going to do something with it. And I think that's a good question for us. What do you do with the information that you have about Jesus? You know, we live a couple of thousand years later. We are living in a time where we have more information about Jesus than ever before. Uh, scholars can tell you that whenever they look at Scripture today, it is the most validated book in all of history. Now, it's good to know that, but the question is, what do you do with that information? Has that information caused you to seek Jesus like the wise men in our text did. They were willing to seek Jesus. Matter of fact, in verse number two, we see they made a special trip from wherever they were from in order to get to Israel. And y'all, let me tell you something. When they traveled back in those days, you know, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have like a nice Greyhound bus to ride on. They didn't fly. Uh, they rode a camel. Uh, they rode a camel. They would have done some walking. It was, it was, it was not a convenient trip for them. And I want you to know that sometimes if you decide that you're really going to seek Jesus, not always going to be convenient for you to do it. I think one of the best ways that we can seek Jesus today is we can seek him by actually looking into this book and seeing what God's word has to say about him. One of the best ways that we can seek Jesus today is in our prayer life and just opening ourselves up to him and saying, God, I, I want to know you. Uh, one of the best things that we can do today is to come into the church and make a commitment that we're going to come here because we are seeking Jesus. You know, I say, well, man, I, I, I work all week. You know, when we get to Sunday, you know, I'd like to sleep in. It wears me out Think about coming to church. Hey, let me tell you something. Just to let you know, there's times when I feel that way too. Seeking, 
sometimes means discomfort. You know, the word seek, it actually, it indicates that effort is involved. And if you're going to seek him, if you want to find him, then you have to seek him. But, but if you're not willing to seek Jesus, I can tell you right now, you're not going to find him. There's a story about Henry Ford. Whenever he bought an insurance policy, it was, it was a huge one. And uh, so his friend was, uh, was in the newspaper, in the Detroit News, about this large insurance policy that he had bought. But one of his best friends was an insurance agent. He didn't know about it. He just read about it in the paper. It kind of irritated him, and he called up Henry Ford, and he said, hey, I just read in the paper about you buying this insurance policy. Did that really happen? And he said, well, yeah, it did. He said, well, you know I'm in insurance. He said, why didn't you, why didn't you come to me? You know, why didn't you buy the policy for me? And Henry Ford very simply said, well, because you never asked. You know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who wonder, why am I not closer to Jesus? Why don't I sense his presence? And I think it, it comes down oftentimes to a real simple answer. Because you've never asked him. Because you've never sought him out. See, if, if we don't seek after Jesus, then it's going to be really hard for us to find him. Did you know Jesus desires for you to find him? In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hey, I, I want you to know that God wants you to seek after him because he desires for you to find him. He's, he's not hiding from you. He just wants you to seek him. You know, we're told in 2 Chronicles 28, 9, it says, if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. So you say, well, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to have joy in my walk with Christ. How does that happen? It, it begins with this, seek Jesus. That's what the wise men did. Well, how can I have joy in my, in my walk with the Lord as we're in this Christmas season? Well, here's the second thing. Not only do you seek him, but now you were called to worship Jesus. Now look with me in, in verse number 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, I like this part, it says they were overjoyed beyond measure. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I, I know a lot of people who know a lot of facts about Jesus. Matter of fact, I, I know some people who know more, they know way more scripture than I do. But they don't follow Jesus. They know a whole lot of information, but they don't follow him. See, the fact of the matter is if we are going to truly be wise men then we, and discover joy, then we have to be willing to follow the examples of the wise men. Now, you can, you can see in our text that the wise men, it says that they, they sought Jesus, but whenever they sought Jesus, they, they didn't just simply go looking for Jesus so they, could, so they could just simply take a look at him and say, oh, that's what he looks like. You know, they weren't seeking Jesus out so they could find out, you know, what kind of a house he lived in. You know, they, they weren't just, they weren't in, interested in information. Our text tells us that they sought out Jesus with a purpose in mind. 
And if you look in the verses we just read, it's real simple to see what it is. They sought him out in order to worship him. Now, now what does it mean to worship? Well, worshiping is submitting yourself to someone else and their leadership. It's, it's great to have information about Jesus, to know facts about Jesus. I'm sure there are some of you who could come up here and you know every Christmas carol that there is. All those things are fine. Those are, they, they can be fun things. They can be good things. Because if you're going to worship Jesus, it means you follow him. You follow his teachings. You apply them to your life. You say, why would I want to do that? Well, it's real simple. It's because, because Jesus and what he teaches it leads us to the ways of eternal life. See, God wants us to know him. Now, here's what I find interesting about our text. Whenever I look at our text today, I, I see that the religious leaders who surrounded King Herod, they, they were able to give a lot of information about Jesus. Now, in the verses I did not read, the wise men came to King Herod and his court, and they said, hey, where is this special person that's going to be born? Religious leaders got together and they said the, the, the Messiah, the special one, he's going to be born because of what prophecy says in the town of Bethlehem. You know how far away Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? It's, five, it's less than five miles. So they told him, they said, that's where he's going to be born. So what did the wise men do? They turned around, they left, and they went to Bethlehem. You know what the religious leaders did? Nothing. They, they stayed where they were. They, they, were, they had the information, but they didn't act on it. I think that's really interesting. Now, why, didn't, why wouldn't they go see where the Messiah who'd been prophesied about for, for thousands of years, why didn't they go see where he was born? Well, because, because their vision was messed up. They thought, if we submit ourselves to Jesus, then we lose our place. If we submit ourselves to Jesus, then we actually end up losing our power, our rank. You see, they had a vision problem. What they saw was that Jesus would be one who would interfere and mess up their lives. Their vision was blurred. Instead of going after the one who could have cleared up their vision, instead of going after the one who could give them guidance and meaning and purpose in their living, they chose to remain in darkness. And what was the result? Well, they, they missed out on meeting the one who could have helped them see clearly, to see life in its proper perspective. When Emily and I first got married, we lived in this, I mean, way out nowhere, North Carolina. Um, I, uh, it was a little town. I, used to have, I had to drive 10 miles to get gas. I mean, it was nowhere. And uh, so while we were living there, Emily's brother at the time, he was an active-duty Marine. He was at Camp Lejeune. And so he would, uh, he would drive up ever, ever so often to come and visit us. And I mean, this is in the 90s, and so that, the early 90s or mid-90s. And, and he came up, and uh, he brought night vision goggles with him. And this is, I, they hadn't, I don't think they'd been out a really long time. And so he came out, and he brought them with him, and I, y'all, they were the coolest things I had ever seen. And so we li where we lived, you know, people talk about light pollution and all that. I mean, you could put your hand in front of your face at night, I mean, you couldn't see anything. And uh, so he, he said, hey, put these on. So, you know, I put them on, and I was looking around. You know, everything, back then, I, it was all kind of a green tent, but I could see everything. And I was like, man, I've got an idea. And he was like, what? And I said, let's get in the car. So we got in the car. And we went, we, I lived out in the country, and we just went driving. And I didn't have my headlights on, and I just had the night vision goggles on. He's like screaming next to me, and I'm just like flying down the road. It was so fun. But I was able to see clearly 
because I had night vision goggles on. Now, I don't know if that's legal or not, so y'all don't, don't tell anybody. But, you know, there, there's a lot of us, we are, we are living in darkness, and we want to see clearly. And so we, we put on all different kinds of goggles to kind of make life make sense to us. And if I, if I just have the right amount of money, life's going to make sense. And so we put that on, and it's, it's, it's all blurry, messed up. You know, if I, if I just attain a certain rank or a certain privilege... You know, then, then life's gonna then life's gonna make sense and it's gonna mean something. So we put that stuff on and and it just never satisfies. It doesn't work. You know, and that, that's what had happened to King Herod in Scripture. King Herod had everything, and he thought power and prestige would would bring clarity into his lives. But he he was probably Israel's greatest builder. He still has buildings that stand to this day. But he was a man who was afraid of losing his power, and he's paranoid. I mean, he thought his wife and his two sons were trying to take his power away, and so he had him murdered. He couldn't see clearly. So, so what's the cure? How do we see clearly? It's worship. You submit yourself to Jesus. And, and it might make you nervous to submit yourself to someone else, but y'all, I promise you this. It is the best thing that you'll ever do in your life. Why? Because Jesus gives you an eternity. He gives you a hope beyond this life. He, he moves you from, from living in guilt because of all the junk that you and I have done in our past. And he says, I will erase that and I will give you a new start. See, the wise men were able to see beyond themselves because they were willing to worship Jesus. Because of that, they had joy. So, so how, do I, how do I have joy in my walk with, with Christ? We seek Jesus. You worship Jesus, and this is the last one. This one's real easy to see. It's verse number 11. If you're going to have joy in your walk with Christ, you bring gifts to Jesus. Now now look with me in verse number 11, the last verse that I'll read here. It says, entering their house, the wise men, they came into the house. It says, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so they made their way to Jesus. When they came to Jesus, they did not come empty-handed. They brought gifts with them. Of course, we all know the gifts. They, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, you know, from, from my perspective, I look at that, and Jesus is probably about two years old at this time. And you think, those are weird gifts. Well, I mean, what's a two-year-old kid? Hey, thanks for the myrrh. I mean, you know, there's like three gifts. I mean, what is that, what is that all about? Well, these gifts actually, they had significance. And we, I mean, I, I think the parents would have been real excited about the gold part. You know, the most precious metal that there is. But it was a, it was a gift. It is a gift that's fit for a king. And so they, they recognized who Jesus was. This is not just some ordinary baby. They recognized his rank, and they were putting themselves in submission to him, saying, we understand you were king. They brought, him, they brought him the gift of gold. It says they brought him the gift of frankincense. Now, you know, I'm, I, I've never bought frankincense before. So, so what is that? Well, actually, it's a, very, it's a very expensive perfume. It's an incense that was used for special occasions. It was used in the anointing of kings. It was used in the, uh, in the temple as a part of worship. It was probably a gift to recognize the deity of Jesus. And then there's myrrh. And myrrh, myrrh was actually, it was actually, it's a cheap perfume. But myrrh was used mainly for the embalming of bodies. You know, when Jesus died, 
one of the spices that they would have used to embalm the body of Jesus was myrrh. And so it was a gift that recognized the humanity of Jesus. Now, now all three gifts, they were, they, were, they were the best that the wise men had to offer. So, so my, here's my question for you. What kind, of, what kind of gifts will you bring to Jesus? You might say, well, I don't, I don't have any gold, frankincense, and myrrh to bring. I mean, what do I, how do I give anything to Jesus? Well, I want you, you, you have actually a better gift to give to Jesus than even the wise men did. So what is that? The best gift that you can give to Jesus is yourself. And you might say, well, I, I don't really see that I have that much value. I don't see how, if I give myself to Jesus, how he's going to be impressed with that. I mean, you, if you just simply knew where I'm from or what I've done, I don't think that's a good gift. Let me tell you something. I want you to know God finds you valuable. As a matter of fact, he found you so valuable that he allowed his son, Jesus, to enter into this world knowing that there would be a day when he would go to the cross in order to bring reconciliation between you and God. You know, that's why one of my favorite verses in the Bible, one of the first ones you learn, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave that son for you. So then here's the question. Would you be willing to give yourself to Jesus this Christmas? You see, if you give yourself to Jesus, then you're going to be able to experience the power of God in your life because of his death and resurrection. Yeah, there's an old uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, this old picture that they used to have in one of their, one of their locations, and it was, a bar, it was a bar of iron. And the bar of iron, it just, it just said it, its value was $5. But if you took that same bar of iron and turned it into two horseshoes, that same bar of iron, it went from being worth $5 to now worth $50 took that bar of iron and you turned it into needles and then you sold all those needles, that bar of iron actually would be worth, I believe it was uh, around $5,000. And then if you took that same bar of iron and turned it into springs for Swiss watches, it was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now the raw material, just on its own, it, it was valuable, but when it was put in the hands of a creator, its value skyrocketed. Now, on your own, you're valuable, but whenever you place yourself in the hands of the Creator, boy, He turns you into something special. He develops your life into a life that He wants you to live. Now, the wise men, they came and they worshiped Jesus because He was someone special. And today, we can, we can worship Jesus because we know that He's someone who deserves everything that we have, and because he can change our lives for an eternity if we allow him to. So as we are in this Advent season, well, don't miss the opportunity to experience joy in your life. Because of who Jesus is and because of what he can do. Now as I look at the wise men, I see some steps that they took. And because of it, we're told that they were overjoyed. Now, what were some of the steps they took that brought them joy? They, they, were seeking, they were seeking Jesus. They were worshiping Jesus. And they brought gifts to Jesus. Now, do you long for joy? 
Do you long for meaning and purpose in your life? If you do, give yourself to Jesus. Maybe some of you haven't before. No, you can today. And so I'd encourage you just where you're seated in just a few moments, you can just simply take time by yourself and you can pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, I come to you with gifts. I give myself to you. And I want you to take this life that has been broken by sin and forgive me and restore me and make me yours. Y'all, he will do it. Now, there are others of you, and you're, you're, you're believers, you're followers of Christ, but if you're honest, you'd have to say, man, if I, if I really take time to think about it, just over the years, I have not given my best to the Lord. Maybe it's not that you're not giving your best to Him with your time, with your service. Hey, commit to Him today that, that you're going to change that. It could begin with this, just simply starting and say, Lord, today I'm, I, I'm going to make a, a pledge and a commitment to you that I'm going to, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you five minutes a day, starting out five minutes a day, just simply talking to you. I'm going to, I'm going to take time every week to make sure that I, that I come with other believers into the church in order to worship you. Give him your best. Give him yourself. And I believe like the wise men, you will find joy.